This is Report to Wyoming. For this episode, we mix it up a little bit for spooky season, and I talked to three people about October events coming up this month. They're all doing parts of the event, but it's overall referred to as the first ever Casper Heritage Harvest Festival. And as much as I love scary things, I think it's really cool that they've decided to do this event to help with Casper's historic preservation. I wrote an article a few weeks back, and I will link to that in the article that goes up with this post. You can find it at k2radio.com or just follow K2 Radio on Facebook. They're offering bundle packages for people to participate in a wide variety of Halloween things with an emphasis on tradition and history. Sitting with me today is Peter. He'll be taking people on ghost hunts through the Elks Lodge. Then there's Drew, who will be performing in an immersive spirit walk. And then there's Jeff, who is the greeter of the Casper Heritage Harvest Fest. Again, if you want to know more about this event and how you can get the best package deals, we have links to everything in the article. It's called Fusing Horror and History, so check it out. This is Colby Fedor. To get things started, I first ask Peter when he became fascinated with the Ghostbusters series and ghost hunting. Well, uh, I've been looking into Ghostbusters since I was just a little kid. The, of course, the movies came out back in, in the 80s, uh, 84. I was born in 85. Um, when I was really, really little, my mom bought me my very first proton pack. It was a Kenner toy, probably about, you know, about maybe a foot and a half tall and maybe a foot wide, and uh, I drug that thing around the house forever, and now my daughter drags that same exact one, and I still have it all these years later. We should tell people it's sort of a family thing, right? It is a family thing, yeah. All, all of the kids dress up. We all go to events together. And many of you have probably seen, I'm going to get it right this time, the Ecto Interceptor yes. driving around town. <laughs> when did you put that together? Uh, so I bought the car two years ago. And uh, as soon as I bought it, of course, it, it looks really uh, beefy, and it's it's still got like the the cop grill on it and all that. And so the, the of course PD was very interested in me because I also work uh, security at the hospital, and so when I'm driving it, I look very much like I'm a cop because I have the uniform and the and so I would get pulled over, and they give me all sorts of crap telling me, you know hey, uh, we think you're pretending to be a police officer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm a Ghostbuster. Well, at the time, it was Much just a black important. car. And so, oh, yeah. and so I was like, God, I got to do something to make it so I'm not getting pulled over all the time. So we started stickering it, and I put all the stickers on it. And then my daughter came to me with her little toy one, and she goes, Dad, it's not done. And she kept pointing at the top of the car. And I'm like, all right. So then we started working on the roof rack, and... One thing led to another, and now here we are. <laughs> is this the first year that you'll be investigating the Elks Club? This is the very first year we will be investigating the Elks Club. Have you investigated other historic Casper buildings? Um, not Casper buildings. We've been in Glenrock. Um, there's oh. a, a little gun sh shop out there that um, is attached to, like, a thrift store. And we got okay. to walk through that. It took us, gosh, it was like five hours to investigate all that. And after five hours, we have like a two-part video up on YouTube over it. And so a big part of this is, well, it's, it's going to be fun. That's probably the most important thing. But it's also for historic preservation. Right. So did you have to do any research uh, to prepare for this role? Or I don't know if you'd even say role, because uh, you are going to be investigating. Every <laughs> time we go into an investigation, we do extensive research into the background of the buildings, 
you know what they used to be like for instance the one in Glenrock um, before it was a thrift store gun shop it was actually the town work and so it, it was really really the, there was a lot of activity there for some reason I wonder why <laughs> mm -hmm. but uh, yeah we do it we do some research into the buildings and then once we know kind of the background of the in the history of the building we can start into our investigation and, and see what we find was it mostly uh, Casper College Western History Archives, or where did you find most of your information? Google is an amazing uh, tool. Most of the information we find is from Google. We'll, we'll Google things. Uh, a lot of it sometimes we can find from people that uh, are attached to the building. For instance, uh, the one in Glenrock, the owner is like 86 some odd years old. And so she was able to you know, think back to when she was a kid, and she was like, yeah, yeah, back when I was a kid, this was what this building was. And so we would then cross-reference and find it, and sure enough, we could verify what she was saying. You should tell her about what you guys already found in the Elks Club. So there's been a lot of stories. Uh, we talked a lot with the staff, and um, so they were telling us about different uh, happenings that, that went on during um, their stay there. And uh, they were talking about one in the ballroom in particularly, uh, and then one down in the basement. And the one in the basement, I did some research on after we went through our initial hunt. Um, and they were saying that sometimes they hear or they smell like cigar smoke. And um, they can hear somebody kind of move, shuffling around there sometimes. And so I looked into it and there's been many, many, many stories. And some people think that that is like the co-owner from way, way back when it first <laughs> opened. And so not sure yet because we haven't got names or anything we haven't been able to pull names from our like spirit talkers or anything like that but we did find down in the basement there was an entity and so we, we ran right into it with our our sensor boxes we were just talking before this as well about your equipment it is the equipment from the ghostbuster movie <laughs> i think people it. might like to know okay how you get your equipment so some of it is custom made for us. Um, like we have a REM pod. I don't know if you've seen like Ghost Hunters or, or um, any of those ghost I'm hunting shows. I'm somewhat familiar, yes. So a REM pod is basically a box. It's got a little antenna on it and it, it uh, measures electromagnetic um, fields. And so the way we use this in ghost hunting is we can set it out and ghosts have an electromagnetic field of their own. And so when they get close to it, it starts to, to beep and lights up. I have one that was custom made for us that looks like a Ghostbusters ghost trap. I think this will be a good opportunity for people to get into the Elks Club because it's somewhat exclusive, right? You can't, under normal circumstances, go in unless you're a member. Right. Uh, so whenever we've done anything, stories or anything related to the Elks Club, people are usually really intrigued because they want it's somewhere that maybe they haven't been able to access before so everybody wants a peek right um, and it is so old do you know how old it is it was initially uh, built in 1922 but it wasn't finished until 1936 okay that's still almost a century yes drew you guys might know drew from the ymca i recognized him right away can you tell us what the night hag is Yes, so the night hag is a uh, figure out of Scottish folklore. Um, she is a, um, well, a hag, uh, an older woman who is a witch, um, who is often associated with um, dark magic and being an oracle type figure. Um, so there are, um, from some older sources, such as um, Sir Francis Scott's Waverley, and from Jay Bailey's um, The Night Hag, A Halloween Romance, 
we see the night hag, uh, we see the tradition of the night hag in which um, the subject of the story um, summons her by sitting upon St. Swithin's chair um, on Halloween. <clears throat> and um, when they summon her, she must answer three questions for them. Um, so we see here that she is kind of an oracle figure. And this will be, you'll be playing a character that is like a guide for people on, is it called the spiritual walk? Um, so the event is uh, is Candlelight Frights. Um, it will be on um, the Path of Mystery and the um, the uh, I, the spiritual walk, yes. Um, and so I will uh, join the party a little later in the evening in which I will attend St. Swithin's chair and any um, anyone who wants to uh, summon me must speak the rhyme and um, then I'll be they'll be able to ask me three questions. How have you been preparing yourself for this role? Yeah, this one's a little bit um, non-traditional for me. I've been acting on stage um, since I think like 2012, but because of the um, improvisational nature of this role, um, responding to people's questions, I've been having to uh, prepare for that by going over potential questions that I'll receive um, and then um, answering them in the way that the uh, kind of mystical, spooky night hag would, in a way that seems as if I am performing actual divination. Um, and so there's a certain challenge to that, having a mostly improvisational role. You know, I've also got a great makeup design um, to age myself up and to bring the night hag to life. And then I've been working on a rough Scottish accent. Um, I'm not the best with accents, but you know, I think I'll do well with it. I am not either, notoriously bad. <laughs> so <laughs> good luck to you on that. Is it somewhat of a scary figure or would you say it's you're kind of pulling more from the historical tradition? Uh, definitely trying to um, pull more from the historical tradition than to um, actually scare people. But, uh, however, if we do look at the historical tradition um, and the perception of witches, um, especially at the time um, that this character came into being, um, I think that there is an element of the um, of fear of the unknown and fear of the idea of the witch who has, um, you know, the idea that the witch who has uh, sold their soul to Lucifer and uh, performs these dark rituals. Um, however, my goal is not to um, evoke, is not to particularly evoke this fear, but to evoke the tradition and the idea of divination and presenting the oracle of the night hag. Were these pagan times? No. So the night hag, um, as far as what we have for um, writings go, um, the two sources that I mentioned earlier both come from the 1800s. However, the tradition itself is much is uh, much older, or the character I mean is is older. However, what we look at that when we look at the character, we see kind of the um, the, the Christianized idea of the witch. That's why there is some fear surrounding her, um, because uh, for much of history there was this perception of witches as as evil, who as I said sold their souls and conduct evil rituals. So while this character has existed, the um, kind of the tradition did sprout up among the Christianized world. Yeah, I did this weird class in grad school. It was actually kind of cool, not weird, but it was on um, female deities in literature. 
And the theme of the mother, the, or the maiden, the mother, and the hag constantly comes up, and hag is interchangeable with witch. In those stories, the hag was endowed with so much power, and they all have their own special kind of power sources, I would say. So, And she probably is somewhat physically ugly, but there is that magic to it. Absolutely. Um, and that's uh, why I'm so excited. That's part of the reason why I'm so excited to um, incorporate the physicality of the character and especially the makeup design um, that I will be applying. I think it will be very interesting. And then, Jeff, will you walk me through, pun intended, the superstition walk or the walk of superstitions? Let me get this right. The After Dark Superstition Walk. That's the one. That's the one. The majority of the Candlelight's experience on Halloween and also, you know, the week of uh, nights leading up to that is based on the historical celebration of Halloween. And so a lot of the, um, the demonstrations will be party games, there'll be folk traditions that they would have played about 150 years ago. There's almost too much for me to go over, so you'll just be introduced to it the night of. One of the things that you pointed out, the After Dark Superstition Walk, is um, quite literally a walk through the dark, um, celebrating almost like a type of parade they would have had, because you have to think, this was the time when people uh, didn't, they couldn't go buy costumes, so everyone made their costume, and um, maybe even a continuation of kind of the masquerade theme, where it's like, oh, you don't know who's behind the mask, you get to like act out in a way. So, um, After Dark Superstition Walk is paying homage to that because we're going to be in costume, we're going to be parading through the dark, while our tour guide is giving us some of the suggestions that would have been given to you, uh, some of the history, some of the context, had you been in those parties a long time ago. So it'll quite literally feel like you're, you know, leaving your Halloween party to go parade around the neighborhood and, um, you know, just spook up the neighborhood like they would have done. And one of the big uh, things about this is it's it's giving people an experience, right? Versus kind of what what is common today is really just the tradition of walking around and getting candy. So I wonder if this is um, part of an effort to maybe make it less commercialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? One of the best um, one of the best pieces of feedback we got last year was a couple who had been to Halloween parties all over the country, like a true Halloween fanatic. And they said that not only was this the best party, but it was more than a party. It was people putting a lot of care and attention to their costumes, a lot of uh, intention into the types of games, the types of just weird little tricks at the party. So it really does feel like a bigger than just showing up and having fun. It's like you're gonna be introduced to um, some of the divination, uh, um, some of the divination s- games that they would play of like, okay, you grab, uh, or let me let me give you an example. So like apple bobbing, a lot of us bob for apples when we were kids. Not a, not many of us know though that depending on what bite you took out of the apple would signify certain things in your life. So there are these cool little tricks that they've kind of been lost, diluted with Halloween just being, you know, a satanic holiday or it being a party event, we're trying to kind of go back to its roots. And after you get to a certain age, uh, Halloween changes drastically. 
I guess when you get to college, some of us remember that's a, just another excuse to go out and party and drink, or even parents, house parties, whatever. But as far as opportunities to go and have fun, but that engages those same things that you would have experienced as a child, your imagination, delight, maybe fear, fright. It's really cool, I think, to have that for people who want to participate. It's going to be a multifaceted in that it'll be accessible for people with disabilities. So the website's really good about going over the best times and nights for that, right? And then there are other times that are better for children. Yeah, there are nights where there will be outside of the building, which, by the way, the building is just at the fairground, so it might be kind of hard for people to, if they haven't been there, but um, there's space, and so outside of the building, there's like a little fall festival happening on some nights. Right. And, um, but each night there will be an early show and a late show. So the early show um, might be a little bit more like for general audiences. It's also a little bit cheaper. The later show is where we're including some of the, you know, really selective things like the uh, um, uh, a historical lecture on some of the Victorian superstitions and some, and also this idea of a séance. Like, you know, séance is a spooky word, but back in the histo- back in the Victorian era, it was a thing Christians did, which is sort of appalling to us now. We wouldn't think of that. So the late night show gets a little bit deeper. And would you say, I'm just, obviously I'm into the scary here, but I'm fishing, is it scary? Can people expect to be a little on edge or more historical? Um, I, last year, we had fantastic costumes and they freaked me out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everything from just like people just really like artistically emulating something awesome to like people being downright frightening. Like people mm-hmm. made their costumes to get a reaction one way or the other. So yeah, the late the late show, I, th- I think probably in general the audience, I mean it is a little, it's gonna spook you a little bit. That all depends on your tolerance, I guess too, for, cause it's, I know <laughs> it's some people It's not like che- not Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's <laughs> like right. creepy. It's not logical to be afraid when you know people are in costume, but I do, I'm like sensitive to those things. I'll be there. <laughs> what they, you? In fact, they we encourage you to adorn as part of your costume a mask. Okay. That's kind of the creepy part, right? Mm-hmm. Covering your face. But last year, um, and in fact, we have a couple workshops before Halloween for people to participate in this because people made paper mache masks, like paper mache, like the cartoony devil mask someone made last year with red, and it was just fantastic, really well done. So people got really creative with the masks. I do think the DIY costumes are usually better. It's not just to get sure. away from like being too commercial, and but you get something more original, and you can do better details. Peter, you have? Do you just have one kid? No, I have. <coughs> I have four. What? I've just yeah, seen the I've one. Got, I've got my four-year-old. I've got uh, my little Gracie, who is uh, seven, and then my boy, who is ten. Okay, so what does Halloween look like for you at your house on that? particular night or leading up to it all the events going on oh my gosh it is a dang mess uh we have a lot of stuff going on this month um uh i've had some schools reach out to us they want our car um to show up to their events uh there's a pumpkin patch coming up at the excel academy so oh yeah i went to that last year yep 
and uh, and so we're gonna take the car there and let the kids look through it and play the sirens and the lights and you know it's hopefully fun. sell some pumpkins for them and then uh, we have a trunk or treat for banner health on the 28th so that's gonna be going on from like 930 until 12 and we'll be over there at the Conwell parking lot just handing out candy to kids but so there's all these little events that come up and then uh, on Halloween, of course, I try and get the kids out to trick-or-treat. This year is going to be a little bit hard for us because we have a ghost hunt on that night. Uh, so i got to get all this done before the ghost hunt. <laughs> but it breaks the traditional what everybody else is doing. Right. If, I wonder, in the past, has there been anything this immersive um, for adults or older kids that want to do something that's not just knocking on doors? Not that I can recall, especially with the uh, bundle that we're looking at doing um, with uh, with uh, Pete's Ghost Hunt, Artisan Alley, and Theater of the Poor, and their show. I think that this is, in at least in my experience, one of the like biggest, most immersive uh, Halloween events. You know, I've gone to haunted houses in the past, put on by the schools, and even that I don't think will uh, reach this level of immersion and just cool stuff we can do. Oh, go ahead. And I was like, because the first thing I thought of is Halloween parties for adults. That's pretty common, Mm -hmm. although I've never been invited to one. (laughs) But this is our own Halloween party. I mean, because you have everything from like party games to a fire pit in the back. So it's, it's like a good blend of thrill, but then also I feel like you know, everyone's shown up there in costumes that they spent hours and hours on. So there's heart and soul in it. So you're going to get around the fire, you know, have, you know, hot chocolate or something and have good conversations. Like you feel like, I feel like it'll be a good party in the sense that you'll, you know, bond with people. Community building. And you instantly have something to talk about, right? Because if you, you know, if you show up just dressed like your regular self, sometimes it can be a bit awkward starting a conversation, but I think I'd be more inclined to walk up to someone dressed as, like, Birdman than <laughs> just a regular guy. I don't know. It just seems, for some reason, less awkward, ironically. So I think Casper has a really unique way, too, of coming together when there are community gatherings. And it seems like everybody just kind of likes hanging out together, even if it's not super rowdy or... I don't know. I'm really excited to see what happens. Well, last year was our first time. And you know what they say about the first time, right? right? We actually, we had a, a lot of learning experiences and so we, we changed a lot of things. We got a lot of good feedback that we acted on. But even for the first time, we had, uh, the people who turned out had um, remarkable enthusiasm, great costumes, raved about the, the depth of information that was there. I mean, like, you know, we had apple bobbing, we had stories and behind each one of these things, the actor, working the event had you know some history to share we had the night hag last year so people would go up to this kind of uncomfortable throne and they'd have to sit on the throne and uh they could ask the night hag their questions and um people would ask things like when is your love i think that's the question i asked i was like uh when am i going to meet my true love and they're like when you're ready to love yourself like it was good banter it was fun Aww, yeah. and it felt like sparkly okay very cool. What are you most excited for, Peter? Um, ghost hunts. 
I'm excited about ghost hunts. I'm, I'm excited about the history being spread too, though. I mean, I'm big into history too. Um, Josh and I had a long conversation. I went to go pick up posters last week, and I think I spent three hours over there just talking old history between families and everything else. But I, I think it's cool that that these guys are getting out the history of things and. I really think it's cool that they're collabing with everybody, like they're including everybody. And um, like Drew was saying, um, they, there's a whole there's a whole bundle now that they're they're putting together. Each one of us is a separate group, but if you buy tickets for all of it, you get a certain amount off of your tickets. So it's kind of cool that they're they're inclusive in that way. Like they're they're we're all kind of helping each other out. And there is a certain element of cosplay in Halloween, and every one of you guys is going to be really involved in your own costumes and character building. Um, so that's kind of cool that it, it it keeps that tradition going, um, but with more of a focus, I think, on maybe making your own or finding something truly unique. Um, I'm wondering, for the Night Hag, if you can tell us just a little bit more about the costume. Yeah, so the costume itself isn't that, um, I wouldn't say it's particularly complicated. Um, we acquired a, uh, a robe-like garment and a shawl. Um, the biggest, I think, element of the costume that's really going to um, drive it home is the makeup, um, which I mentioned earlier, um, which uh, the makeup was designed by somebody who, is, who works in beauty professionally and is himself a drag queen, um, so he really knows what he's doing. Um, and so I'll be uh, donning this um, old age makeup, um, old, aging myself up considerably, um, along with feminizing my face a little bit, and then um, and then uh, raggeding up my hair a little bit. And I think that when it comes down to the costume element, um, the makeup, along with the physicality um, that I will be bringing to the character, is really going to be what brings it to life. You know, Pete is sitting here in the studio in his full Ghostbusters outfit, and that's how I met him. We were um, we were at the Elks Club, sensing what kind of paranormal activity there might be. Um, it was really cool how we did candlelights for the first time last year, and then improved upon it by grabbing up a ton of other groups to make it one cohesive thing. So we're all showing up. Not many of us knew each other at that first meeting, but we're like, "Hey, let's go try this out." So we walked through the Elks Club. Um, one of the people, I can't remember their name, who worked there, and basically everybody who was like a, 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 a denizen there um, was like, oh yeah, this place is super haunted. Like over there I saw a ghost, I saw a ghost walking in the mirror, walking through the hallway, like it was insane. And me, somewhat sort of a skeptic, I'm like, okay, sure, you did, <laughs> yeah, whatever. And um, so we go, we tour you know, the back, we tour the additions, there's a whole written history in this building because it's you know, 100 years old, and then this part was built, and this part was built. We end up going to the attic on the, and walking on these creepy rafters. And all the paranormal people, you know, people who know what they're doing, they uh, have all these devices, and so I ask them, what's that? And they have this device on their phone that measures, that uses the microphone on your phone to measure super small, inaudible scripts of words. And it's not like... It's not predicting what they're going to say. It's just amplifying what's already said. And so we were sitting there in the dark, and some of the ghost hunters were freaking out, like, and running around. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> still nothing happening. And they're talking through the phone, and this thing's going crazy. It's saying scary things, but then it says, nice hat. 
and it's just me and this other dude standing there who's and he's wearing a hat and we have like a full-on conversation and it and it does kind of start to creep me out like we ended up all bolting from this room one of the paranormal investigators was like go run out the back door people were wait i have to interject yeah we all bolted except for my team we sauntered slowly <laughs> Every time we go in, just like you, we go into this, and, and don't get me wrong, I believe in this stuff 100%, but when I go into a spot and they say, oh, it's haunted, it's haunted, I go in as a skeptic, because if you're going to find anything scientific, you need to be a skeptic. A skeptic. Right. And so um, when I was there, I'm like, mm, I'm not getting very much reading here, and then all of a sudden I get blips. And then all this starts happening. We start getting intelligent uh, conversation through the boxes. Mm. And I'm like, maybe, maybe there's something to this. But all of them bolted. So I'm like, man, I really want to hang back a little and see what this is. And so I kind of just sauntered after slowly. We get down to the ballroom after that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'll let you continue. Sorry. No, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I just like the part that got me was the intelligent conversation. Yeah. Because it wasn't... It was specific to things that we were doing. No one had like said the things out loud to where the phone was playing tricks on us. Like it was actually like, you know, like a conversation. Right. And then what did you see in the ballroom? Yeah, and so in the ballroom, we, we saw uh, some figures kind of uh, along the sides. And, and it, you know how like when you're looking at something and you see a shadow move out of the corner of your eye and you're just like, what was that? That happened to us a couple of times. And then my favorite part of it though, I have to say, <laughs> He's sitting in the dark over in the corner. No one had seen me come in because I was... And my guy's sitting there with a little device and he's going, he's asking questions and then all of a sudden he he answers right next to him. <laughs> me. Yeah. And so he goes, uh, you know, he says, is anybody there? And he goes, I'm here. And my buddy's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'd sat there so long they forgot. They thought I was part of the furniture. <laughs> now I have some follow-up questions. Okay. Because I didn't want to ask, is it for you more of a game, or how seriously do you take it? But you kind of answer that. You take it very seriously. Very seriously. You have this fun element, though, of your uh, outfit. I don't want to say costume now. I do. It's not, so it's tenuous. And, and people, you know, they kind of they see that, and they think, oh, he just does birthday parties and that kind of thing. And, yeah. The outfit is kind of a, a goofy thing. It's a novelty, but but honestly, it's it's kind of represents who I am, right? Like, I, I we love doing this stuff. I've been doing ghost hunts for twenty some odd years, just not under Ecto Interceptor. Uh, the Ecto Interceptor project kind of sprouted around the car, and then I ended up getting a whole group of people to help me with these things. Before I was doing it by myself, and so it's kind of nice to have a team now that we can actually work through things and. And I can cover more area. And in our last ghost hunt, we were splitting up and had different experiments going in different rooms, and it was kind of cool. Nice. What's been your favorite building that you've ever? Doesn't have to be in Wyoming, but. So. I don't know. So my favorite hunt was actually my very first one we did under the project, um, and it was up in Jibo, Wyoming, just north of Thermopolis. We had driven out there. It's a it's a ghost town that uh, they kind of bulldozed it back in the 1970s. Uh, it was around from like 1932 on. It was a mining town. It was one of the biggest towns in Wyoming for the time. They had like 20,000 people living there. Oh, wow. And um, 
anyway, when it all went downhill and the government shut them down because of lead poisoning in the water, um, they all just kind of piled out and it left it as a ghost town. But there is a graveyard out there that has children's graves and adult graves and, and they range from stillborn all the way up to 80 some odd years old. And one of them was, uh, the gravestone said the name was Arthur. And so we were out there and I said, hey, uh, is Arthur with us today? And we, we kind of wait because I figured trying to talk between worlds there is a little bit difficult. <laughs> and so we waited and waited and waited and, and then I asked the next question. Well, when I reviewed the footage in the vehicle, I didn't hear anything. I thought we didn't catch anything at all while we were out there. But uh, I gave the footage to my editor because when we put out our, our uh, hunts, we if we don't find anything, we're still going to publish it so that you can see, hey, there's nothing there. We didn't find anything. Um, and so he did. He found this one instance where this we asked that question, hey, Arthur, are you here? And then like a few seconds later, we hear, yes, clear as day. And so I cross-referenced it between our EMF or our EVP uh, recorder and our camera that was right next to it. And I was able to catch the same yes on both the camera and the EVP. So I was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> and what would you say a ghost is? Because there's a lot of different opinions about this. Well, I, I try to take more of a scientific approach, and I don't know if you know uh, Nikola Tesla. I do know Tesla. Tesla so I kind of know, I think I know where you're going with this. Tesla was a genius, and he pointed out that uh, the Earth, us, everything on the Earth, we all have a vibrational frequency, right? which is conductive to electricity. So basically we're giant batteries. That's what he was trying to point out. And so um, if you look at, at the science of it, energy doesn't ever die, right? So when our battery goes dead, that energy is still out there. And so we just kind of lose our shell at that point. We're not able to affect the physical as much as we could have if we had an actual physical body at that point. Can I weigh on this? Yeah. So, because... I, I I always like the idea of like everything's energy. People can fracture their energy into you and so thereby a haunting mm -hmm. or some ominous thing of you know the otherworldly could be you could be infected with it because your subconscious is so big. Your subconscious contains a lot of things. One thing I never quite could pinpoint was how a location devoid of like a human, you know, could absorb the trauma of an event and you know likewise like make the trees all spooky or just like encode that sort of thing on a place and then you know continue to infect people with whatever the haunting illness is but i did have a glimpse of of what a haunting could be when we were doing our paranormal investigation because when we went up to that when we went up to that attic and everyone started freaking out around me you know it didn't really affect me right at first but then afterwards, when people are like, okay, like, you know, you talk to the ghost, now you gotta like cleanse yourself, you gotta make sure, tell it not to follow you, you gotta, you know, be very firm with it. And like, suddenly I was starting to get a little bit scared. Like, something could follow me. I see this in horror movies all the time. <laughs> and like, and like that is being haunted. Just the thought that you could be followed by something, like, the, Jesus, if, if, if I could have, if that would have carried forward into the next day, like that's a haunting. It's happened yeah. already, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and a lot of people don't understand it, but uh, we, our thoughts and, and the way we think about things, there's a lot of uh, inspirational speakers that will talk about this, talking about, like, if you, if you start to say something is going to happen, you make it happen. And so uh, that's a big thing. Like, when we do these hunts, at the end, like, okay, you're leaving everything behind, and you need to mean this. You can't be going home and being like, oh, did it follow? Don't give it doubt. You have to mean it. It's gone. That kind of made me curious about if you ever find it ghost hunting dangerous. Yes. Yes. Um, back in in the day when I first started into this, uh, there's been several instances where we were in a place and uh, physical things started moving. Like we had things thrown at us and we've had, I was sitting on a bed one time and I felt somebody step down on the bed like the whole bed actually lowered to the weight of this person and um and then i heard somebody yell get out not any of us and so i was like oh nope i'm done <laughs> like that was my my first experience was harrowing to me because like the, my teacher's like you can't run and i'm like what <laughs> so you're supposed to sit in the discomfort. Yeah, well, because if you feed them, right, if it's a bad entity and you're feeding it negative energy, which is fear, so if you just jump up and bolt, it's getting what it wanted. I'm so glad I have a new house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to, when I was a kid, they'll live. Our parents bought, my dad had a construction business, so he would buy these old pieces of crap this one was actually a really pretty old i think it was episcopalian church and it had big white columns out front and it looked like a church uh but he made it into a house nice. because the church was no longer there they had there were still pews in it and everything but when they started remodeling he would knock down the walls and find that it was insulated with like old newspaper from a hundred years ago um and my mother who's super christian and not woo woo at all still to this day claims that Sometimes in the middle of the night, she would see, she would stay up late. She's a night owl and work on art or sewing or whatever. But um, in her room in the corner, she saw a woman in a yellow dress rocking in the chair. One day, we were not wealthy, I have to say this, but we had a housekeeper, because both my parents worked a lot, and the housekeeper quit. And she told my mother that she was in the house, and she seemed like a really sensible, not again, a woo-woo person. She said she saw the big wrought iron gate out front, open and close, and then the front door, we had kind of like a mud room, so the first door open and close, and then the door to the room where she was cleaning, open and close, and she just left. She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I never saw her. I've got, I'm trying to find it. There's a picture that we had taken of uh, a lady in white. And so this was from a, a nurse friend of mine. She had sent me this picture. She had video of this thing walking across her room, going to the door and then just vanishing. And, but she had her dog in the room. And I don't know if you guys know this, but animals are very attuned to this stuff. And so if it's a bad thing, they tend to like, dogs will freak out. They'll, they'll, they'll go into battle mode. And, um, but she had seen this white figure walk across her dog slept through the whole dang thing it was like inches from him and then it just vanished gone um i'm gonna be honest i'm kind of a uh i'm, I'm kind of a skeptic when it comes to that kind of stuff like i said i took a ghost hunting class a couple years at the college and it was very fun um but uh the, the final for the class was an actual ghost hunt which we did at um the police department 
um, on the third floor and we didn't get a whole lot from that and like I said I haven't I haven't personally experienced anything that I would qualify as paranormal so I don't really consider myself a believer I think that it's fun but uh, I think people have to win me over on that <laughs> this has been report to Wyoming presented in the public interest by Town Square Media